is a tasty burger. 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 <laughs> Hello, all of you beautiful people out there. Welcome back to whatever, the show where I talk about whatever. My name is Cameron, and I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. You know, as I said last time, we're continuing our Harry Potter series, and today I'm going to be talking about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Now, I'm going to get a little excited during this episode because Prisoner of Azkaban is actually my third favorite Harry Potter movie. Yeah, sorry, I had a hair in my mouth. Blech. Yeah, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is my third favorite Harry Potter movie, right below Deathly Hallows and Goblet of Fire. So, especially because I rewatched it, as I will normally do for all these episodes, I rewatched it and I forgot how much I really liked this one. So yeah, it's my third favorite movie, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, English. Prisoner of Azkaban came out in 2004, so two years after Chamber of Secrets. Now, that's important because there's a lot of differences. Uh, one, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban was not directed by Chris Columbus this time. It was directed by Alfonso Turan, which I apologize if I mispronounced that name. But yeah, you can definitely tell it's a different director because the cinematography is definitely different. It was done by Michael Saracen, which... I only bring him up because, oh my god, the cinematography in this movie. It's just, it's amazing, honestly. Uh, another note I should get right off the bat, or I should, another note I should say right off the bat, is the actor for Dumbledore is different. The actor for Dumbledore now is Michael Gambon, and the reason it's different because the original actor, uh, Richard Harris, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease in August of 2002 and he died October of 2002 at the age of 72 which obviously very sad and apparently uh, an actor friend of his Peter O'Toole was reportedly or his family at least reportedly hoped that uh, Peter O'Toole would replace Harris as Dumbledore for Prisoner of Azkaban but the only problem with Richard O'Toole is that they couldn't ensure that he would be there he would be Dumbledore for the rest of the series so ultimately he was succeeded by Michael Gambon which honestly you know I don't know how Peter O'Toole would have done as would have done as Dumbledore but you know I'll take Michael Gambon any day because he's he's honestly one of my one of my favorite Dumbledores that I've seen besides Richard um I have to rewatch. Fantastic Beast to see how Dumbledore was in that. I forget who plays that. It's It's been a while since I've seen that one. But we'll get to that at the end of the series. So, anyway, let's get into the story, shall we? As we've done before. Uh, Harry Potter and Prisoner of Man, third movie. Uh, we start out with the Dursleys again, but this time Vernon has invited his sister Marge over for a dinner or whatever. And... Whereas you, if you thought the Dursleys were bad enough or mean enough to Harry, Marge is just a total. I don't know if I can say this word, you know, on a podcast. I mean, I can swear, but I don't want to. It rhymes with runt. Like it's a word I don't want to say out on the internet. I mean, I have no problem saying it in personal life, but I feel like if I said it on a podcast, I'd get myself in trouble. But uh, yeah, anyway, Aunt Marge comes over and a fun fact about Aunt Marge, uh, the actress, the actor who plays her, Pam Ferris, she was also Mrs. Trunchable in Matilda, which Matilda I will talk about on a completely different episode once I'm done with the series because I absolutely love the movie Matilda. I might do that as a separate episode. But yeah, Pam, she, uh, Aunt Marge is played by Pam Ferris, who also played Mrs. Trunchable. Now... Aunt Marge, like I said, is very nasty to Harry, and where Harry, where she drew, where she stepped over the line for Harry is when she started talking shit about his parents, and he ends up, Harry ends up streaming at Marge, telling her to shut up, and when Marge is like, "Now let me tell you," 
Marge starts blowing up and ultimately she just <laughs> flies out the door and flies off into the sky. And Harry, you know, in his teen angst, storms back upstairs, gets his stuff together to run away. And when he comes back down, Vernon's in his face like, you bring her back. And Harry, like, draws his wand on Vernon. And Vernon's just like, like, easy now, Harry. You're not supposed to use magic outside of school. You know, you have nowhere to go. And Harry's like, anywhere's better than here. So he walks off. He walks out of the house. And I love that. When they do this, they have a zoom out shot that you see him, you see him walking down the street or yeah, you see, there's a shot of him like coming up the street with his bag and off in the distance, you just see on Mars and she's all like, ah! <laughs> she's, she's very distant off. She's like way off in the distance in the sky. It's just, it's funny. Just that it's that little stuff in this movie that I really love. So anyway, he stops on the side of the curb and he's, I guess he's waiting for waiting for this magic double-decker bus to come, but while he's sitting there, he notices a black dog in the bushes, and he gets a little freaked out, and then as soon as the uh, bus shows up, you know, he trips over his bag, and the, uh, uh, hold on, I'm going to lit this up so I don't sound stupid, let's see, but there's a guy that greets him, and I forget his name, but he's just as sassy as the rest of them bus conductor lee ingleby or was it is it the no stan shunspike stamp yeah so stan shunspike is the uh, bus conductor and he's the one that rises off the scene he's like welcome to the Welcome to the night bus for stranded wizards i'm your other shane and you know blah 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 and then he looks around and sees Harry on the ground. He's like, what are you doing down there? And then Harry's like, I fell over. And then Stan's like, it's like what'd you fall over for? And Harry's like, I didn't do it on purpose. And he's like, well, come on then. And he's like, no, no, I'll get your bag. Goes to put the bag in. So Stan gets his bag down there and he uh, hands Harry his ticket and asks him. <coughs> he asks Harry where he wants to go. And he's like, he's like the leaky cauldron that's, <laughs> that's in London. And no, that's while they're driving. Anyway, so he knocks on the glass for the bus driver, Ernie. And he's like, take it away, Ernie. And then we meet the, uh, then there's the shrunken Jamaican head. who's like, yeah, take it away, Ernie. So they end up zooming through London. And apparently there's a, a thing on this bus, probably like the uh, cloaking thing on the, on the fort, on the flying car from Chamber of Secrets, where models can't see what's going on. So, you know, they go through this whole thing. They weave in and out of traffic. They manage to squeeze themselves between two other double-decker buses. Uh, there's a part where they um, they stop right in front of an old lady crossing the street. But I just, I love Ernie and that small Jamaican head so much. Now, while on this trip, uh, Harry sees Stan uh, reading, a, uh, reading a newspaper. And on the back of it... There's a wanted poster for Sirius Black. So Harry asks, who is that? And then Stan's like, who is that? That's Sirius Black, that is. He's a murderer. So yeah, he finds out about Sirius Black. And then there's a whole thing about Voldemort. And Stan's like, have you heard of him? Harry's like, yeah, I know of him. So anyway, then we get to... Uh, so anyway, the bus gets up to the, the Leechy Cauldron and in. In the Leaking Cauldron, Harry has a talk with Cornelius Fudge, who is the Minister of Magic at the Ministry of Magic. And he he, uh, he brings up the fact that Harry blew up his aunt, and Fudge is just basically like, oh, that's fine, don't worry about it. You know, nothing to be afraid of. He basically overlooks the fact that Harry used underage magic. Fudge is just like, yeah, whatever, you're Harry Potter, you know, no one's going to really care. So he gets his stuff. He stays at the Leaky Cauldron for the night, because obviously... He ran away from the Drizzlies. He has nowhere to stay. Uh, one scene I do really love. It's, it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, but I find it re- uh, really funny. Just It got a chuckle out of me. So like, there's this maid. He's, she's going down this hallway. Then she knocks on the door. She says, housekeeping. And the door just flies open. And there's this big monster roaring wind. And then the door closes. She's stoic throughout this whole thing, by the way. And then when the door closes, she's like, I'll come back later. It, it's It's stupid funny. 
but it's, yeah. So anyway, then as a Harry wakes up, he meets Ron and Hermione there and the rest of the Weasleys and Arthur Weasley actually pulls Harry aside to talk to him about Sirius Black. And he reveals that Sirius Black is actually coming for Harry. Like he's looking for Harry. So then we get on the Hogwarts Express and it's pretty, it's pretty packed in there. And Harry, Ron and Hermione end up getting in a car, sharing a car with Professor Lupin, who Hermione figures out because his name was on the luggage, but he's asleep. And Harry's like, oh, if he's really asleep, then I have to tell you guys him. So Harry, Ron and Hermione actually, or Harry tells Ron and Hermione that all about Sirius Black and the fact that uh, Sirius is looking for him. Then all of a sudden the, uh, the train stops and everything goes dark because a Dementor has somehow boarded the train conveniently goes to the car that Harry, Ron and Hermione are in. And he's just like, Oh, you know, Dementor goes and sucks on Harry's face for a little bit. But then, you know, just when all hope seems lost, uh, professor Lupin wakes up and performs his Patronus to steer the Dementor away. Then when, you know, when Harry comes to, uh, he's surrounded by Ron, Hermione and professor Lupin and, Lupin offers him a piece of chocolate, I guess, to make her feel better, which I never really understood the significance of the chocolate, but I guess whatever, you know, do you, I guess. So then they get to, uh, then obviously, you know, we get to Hogwarts. They're in the Great Hall, and that's when we notice new Dumbledore addressing all the students. And he reveals to them that because of the whole, well, first he, Tell lets everyone know that there's a new class going on. And, you know, he introduces Professor Lupin as the new Defense Against Dark Arts teacher. And he also reveals that Hagrid is now teaching a creatures class, which, you know, yay for him, you know, character development and all that. And then he also warns the students about the Dementors now surrounding Hogwarts because they called on the Dementors for like extra security because of the whole Sirius Black incident. And there's actually a quote that Dumbledore says here that I not only love in the contents of like the the movies, but just in life in general. He says he tells all the students, happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one only remembers to turn on the light. Now, that really hits with me because personally for me it means like even when things seem like hopeless, like all you have to do, like even when things seems really things seem really dark, you can always find happiness if you just you know find the light. Like if you manage to turn a light, like if things seem hopeless, like there's always a light. So that really hits with me pretty hard. So then we move on to uh, one of the newer teachers introduced, Professor Trelawney, who is just amazing. Like she's. That job, she's she's definitely one of those people that, like, if you met her, like, just normally, like, in real life, you would probably guess she has a bunch of crystal balls and, like, tarot cards and all that stuff. But they're doing a uh, doing a project where each student has, like, ink in a cup, and then they pass it to the student they're sharing a table with. And they look in the cup and see, like, whatever shape is in the cup. And whatever shape is in it uh, translates to, like some prediction or whatever. So then we get to Harry and Ron and they've switched ups and uh, professor Trelawney asks Ron what he sees. And he's like, Oh, it's uh, he's like, Oh, like uh, you're going to suffer, but you're going to be happy about it. So obviously he's just kind of bullshitting around. And uh, so then professor Trelawney is just like, Oh, Hey, can I see the cup? You know? So, uh, yeah, she looks in the cup and she's like, oh, 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 let me see. And she's like, oh, God. And then she looks at Harry and she's like, my boy, you're in grave danger. Because apparently what was in Harry's cup was called the Grim, which is basically like an, an omen. Like it means death. Like it means death is coming from, which honestly, if, you know, being Harry Potter, when isn't death coming for you? It's pretty much his whole life. Like, hey, this. You know, how am I going to die this year? Or how is my life going to be threatened this year? <laughs> so then there's a whole thing. And then uh, we move on to 
Hagrid, actually, because Hagrid is now, like I said, teaching like a preacher's class. And he's teaching him about hippogriffs. And there's another interaction between uh, Harry and uh, Draco because Draco kind of teases him for the fact that when the Dementor attacked him on the train, he fainted. So Draco's just like, oh, is it true you fainted? No, she. he doesn't in a different class. I forget which one. But basically Draco's being a little punk yet again. And he tricks Harry into thinking that there's a Dementor behind him. And, you know, they do the whole thing where they put their hoods up and they're like, ooh, because they're just being ultimate dicks in this one. So then we move on to, we move on to the glorious Buckbeak. Now, I, I don't, I don't remember if they bring up Buckbeak in the later movies, but this is where we first get introduced to Buckbeak. And Hagrid teaches the class how to like how to greet a hippogriff, you know, by bowing, you know, bowing your head, and then when it bows back, you know, you put your hand out gently and you let the hippogriff, you know, you let the hippogriff come to you. So he has Harry demonstrate first, and of course, Harry being Harry, you know, he nails everything. The Hagrid's like, oh, now you can ride him. So he picks up Harry, puts him on Buckbeak, and then, you know, but him and Buckbeak take off, and Harry's just having the time of his life on Buckbeak. So he gets back, and everybody congratulates him. And then Draco, you know, the cocky little punt that he is, steps up, and he's like, oh, he's not so scary. He's not, not that scary. Bird. And then Buckbeak just is not having it. You know, bucks up and then just stretches Draco's arm and Draco's Draco's kind of a little bitch in this one. Because as soon as Buckby stretched him, he's just lying on him. He's like, oh, oh my arm, oh, oh I'm dying, oh I'm dying. So Hagrid ends up taking him to the hospital and dim- dismisses the class, and we see a little we see Buckbeat nudge Harry, which you know gives you a hint that Buckbeat is kind of taking a fondness to Harry now. Uh then we let's then let's go on to the defense against the dark arts class now taught by Professor Lupin, and he's teaching all the students now about boggarts, which boggarts take on the form of what you fear the most. So he's teaching his whole class. So he has like each student's you know learn the spell ridiculous, which will turn a boggart. Well, since a boggart's what you fear the most, ridiculous will cast a spell on it that. Makes it, you know, makes it funny, basically. So, like, for example, uh, he asks Neville, Neville Longbottom, to demonstrate first, and apparently his biggest fear is Professor Snape. So he releases the the bogger, and it comes out as Professor Snape, and Neville casts Ridiculous, and all of a sudden it's wearing uh, his, it's Snape wearing his grandma's clothes. So basically you have to think of what makes, what, what makes you laugh or whatever. So anyway, move on, we move on. Like Ron goes up, the Bogart turns into a giant spider, and then when Ron casts Ridiculous, the spider all of a sudden is like tap dancing around in roller skates. And uh, I forget her name, but then she comes up to the Bogart. Uh, it turns into a giant snake. When she casts Ridiculous, it turns into a giant Jack in the Box. So then it's Harry's turn, but then stuff gets a little ominous as the thing goes like back and forth and back and forth and all of a sudden the bogger turns into a dementor and then lupin steps in because he's like oh it's a dementor like this is this is bad but then we get a little hint at you know professor lupin might not be what he seems because then the bogger turns into a full moon which uh professor lupin quickly gets rid of by casting ridiculous and it turns into a balloon so then they count. They uh. They. Uh, sorry, I had a brain fart. You know, class is dismissed, obviously, and then the next episode is kind of intense because all the Gryffindors are trying to get into the common room, but the uh, the fat lady is missing, which is you see scratch marks on it, and they look all over, even Dumbledore is involved, and. They find out the fat lady from her hiding in another painting that Sirius Black has gotten into Hogwarts. So everybody's obviously freaking out. Uh, what do I have next on my list? On my notes, we go into uh, Professor Snape's class now, which he uh, I think he's taking over for he's taking over for Professor Lupin's class because Lupin is nowhere to be found. Yeah, and then we get the we get the infamous turn to page three hundred and ninety 
for. And he teaches the class about werewolves, which kind of lets you lets you know that Snape might be onto something. Uh, sorry, sorry, I'm trying to I'm going off of my notes here. Uh, we want then we got the the Quidditch game between Harry and uh, between Harry between Gryffindor and Hufflepuff, I believe. And why this is important is that as Harry's chasing the snitch, all of a sudden it's all it's all stormy and it's all foggy and everything. And he chases the snitch high up to the clouds and he gets caught by Dementor, Dementor, which makes him fall off his broom. And Dumbledore saves him at the last minute. And yeah, basically, you know, there's a whole thing with the Dementor and more stuff about Sirius Black. So, and then there's a thing with uh, Hardsby where all the students are going on a trip to Hardsby, but because par- or because Harry doesn't have a slip signed by a parent or guardian, he can't go. But he tries to get uh, Professor McGonagall to hide him, and McGonagall is like, "You need a parent or guardian to sign in. Since I am neither, I cannot help you." So he ends up. I don't think it's if he goes in the hard me. I don't know. There's a part where <laughs> there's a part where it snows, and he has his invisibility cloak on to try to sneak around. But friend Georgia there, and they see his footprints. They know it's Harry, so they grab him and sneak him, uh, like off. They sneak him off, and they're just like, "Hey, there's a better way to sneak around here," and they give him the Marauders map, which. Uh, they, you know, he can access by tapping it with your wand and say, "I solemnly, I solemnly swear, I'm up to no good." And obviously, when you're when you want to hide what's on the map, you say, "Mischief managed." So he then he sneaks in a hard speed with everybody. And <laughs> there's a scene, there's a scene I love where uh, Harry and no, not Harry, Ron and Hermione are looking at the shrieking shack, and they get confronted by Draco and his goons, and so. Harry kind of messes with them well, with the invisibility cloak on by throwing snowballs at him and just tossing them around. And so, yeah, there's that whole thing. And then they're doing the hard speed and Harry, Ron, and Hermione over here, McDonald and some other uh, teacher, some other staff or whatever, talk about, uh, talking about him and about Sirius Black. So Harry dons his invisibility cloak to sneak into this this bar that apparently uh, students aren't allowed into of that day specifically. But Harry sneaks in. He sneaks into his room where McGonagall, uh, Cornelius Fudge, and this other woman are talking. And that's when Harry finds out that Sirius Black is his godfather. And rightfully so, Harry, you know, is upset by this. He storms out, which is basically he thinks he, uh, they mentioned uh, Peter Pettigrew too. And the fact that Peter Pettigrew was supposedly destroyed and all that was left was a finger. And they basically made it out. To, they made it sound like uh, Sirius Black and Peter Pettigrew were respons- both responsible for uh, Harry's parents' death. And obviously Harry's very upset about this. He runs off. Ron and Hermione find him. And Harry's just like, I hope he finds me because when he does, I'm going to be ready. When he does, I'm going to kill him. So he goes into, uh, and then we get into the scene with him and Professor Lupin just kind of doing a one-on-one because he wants Professor Lupin to teach him how to do the Patronus, which he doesn't get at first, but then, you know, when he thinks of a a better memory, because the first memory he tried to do was, what was it? The first time he wrote a broom, which wasn't good enough to perform the Patronus. So he tries it again with a different memory, and the memory he chooses is his parents talking to him, which, you know, makes him nail the Patronus. So let me move on. There's another scene. (laughs) Sorry, it's, you know, it seems like I'm rushing through this, but I'm trying to not, you know, not go on and on about the plot, especially if you've seen this movie before, you know how it goes. And then, you know, we have the scene where Hagrid, you know, they're talking to Hagrid. This is Hagrid skipping stones and he's out by himself. This is they're curious about what happened between Buckbeak and, you know, Malfoy's and everything. Basically, he talked with Mr. Imagine. Obviously, Lucius, Lucius Malfoy is upset that Buckbeak attacked his son, Draco. And that's when Hagrid tells the gang that they sentenced Buckbeak to death. Like they told, you know, they told Hagrid, like, you know, 
because of this attack, we're going to have to kill him, which is fucking, you know, oh my God. I can't imagine, you know, being Hagrid in that situation. It's just, uh, do we get to, then we have a thing with, uh, <laughs> we have a thing with the Marauders map. There is, it's like late at night. Harry's looking at the Marauders map. He's just looking at everybody going around and there's a part where Ron kind of wakes up. He's like, he's asleep, but still awake. And he looks right at Harry. He's like, the spiders, the spiders, they tell me to tap dance. I don't want to tap dance. And Harry's like, you tell those spiders on. And Ron's like, oh, okay. Well, I'll tell him. <laughs> he goes back to sleep. So as Harry's looking at the Marauders map, he notices Peter Pettigrew. And he's like, wait, he's supposed to be dead. Why is he in the castle? So he goes um, late at night investigating the hallways and he think he thought he thinks he sees Peter Pettigrew, but ultimately he like he sees a footstep still pass him, but he doesn't find anything. But he does get caught by Snape, which <laughs> there's actually a funny part here where Snape tries to figure out what Harry is holding. He's trying to figure out if it's the Marauders map or not, and he, uh, he Snape asks Harry to read it, and <laughs> Harry just reads it off as it appears. And Harry's just like, you know, they want to. We want to thank Snape for his contributions, and and Snape's like, what else? He's like, and Harry's like, that he keep his abnormally large nose out of other people's business, which, you know, Lupin steps in and, you know, saves Harry from just getting reamed by Snape, and ends up he ends Lupin ends up confiscating the map just because you know he's covering for Harry. You know, basically, in exchange for recovery for Harry, he t- he takes the Marauders map. I'm running a sh- little short on time for recording this, so I'm gonna take a quick break. And for you people watching, that'll be a jump cut probably. But I'm gonna take a little break, and then I'll be right back with the rest of Harry Potter and Prisoner of Azkaban. And we're back. And while I was taking that break, I could not help but notice that outside my apartment, there's a weird beeping that goes off every 30 seconds. And it's very irritating. But luckily, if I keep talking, I can ignore it. So anyway, let's move on. So what we got, I talked about the Snape thing, the big nose. Uh, We're in uh, Trelawney's class again, and she does a thing with Hermione. She basically... Trelawney basically, in her own way, tells Hermione that she's just she's not right for this class, and Hermione rightfully, <coughs> rightfully storms up. Sorry, oh, I got something in my throat. Hey, water. Ugh. <clears throat> okay, so Hermione, as she storms out, she knocks the uh, that crystal ball off, and it rolls out into the hallway. So then Harry and Ron are kind of talking about the whole thing. What just happened? And Harry notices the uh, crystal ball in the room. So Harry's just like, oh, we should return this. And Ron's like, I'm not going back in there. And Harry's just like, all right, I'll see you later then. So Harry goes back to Trelawney's class to return the crystal ball. And he sees Sirius Black's face in the crystal ball and then gets uh, approached by Trelawney. But Trelawney's not Trelawney's not who she, uh, not herself. Like She sounds like she's possessed. And she's uh, one of the biggest things she says is servant and master shall be reunited once more. Basically alluding to the fact that, you know, Voldemort's rebirth is coming, which we find out in the next movie. <laughs> anyway, so uh, the day comes of Buckbeat's execution and Hermione, Ron and Her- Harry are going down to Hagrid's to kind of comfort him in the seminine. And as they're walking down, they see Draco and his goons and a spine down on Hagrid's hut. And Hermione is rightfully, <laughs> rightfully pissed at Draco for basically acting like a weasel this whole movie. And there's a, you foul, loathsome, evil little cockroach. And she pulls a wand on Draco, and Draco's doing his little, like, snivelly, like, <laughs> like, I swear, he's such a little bitch in this movie. <laughs> so then Her- or Hermione ends up, you know, lowering her wand, turns around, and then just, boom! punches Draco right in the face. It's awesome. It's just, it's one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie. Hermione's just like, oh, instead of magic, I'll use violence. And even Ron's just like, that was brilliant. 
So I like in my notes for this, I just put Draco spies on Buckbeat. Hermione punches Draco. Awesome. And then Buckbeat dies. Not awesome. Early time Turner references. So basically what I meant by that is they're in Hagrid's head. They're talking. And then, you know, as they're talking, we see a jar just randomly break apart. And then Harry gets hit on the back of his head with something, which makes him notice uh, Fudge, Dumbledore, and the executioner coming down. So Hagrid just rushes him out the back. And they uh, they run up the hill. They kind of spy, you know, out of the way. They kind of spy on everything. Or when they, they're spying on Dumbledore and Fudge at Hagrid's door, and Hermione hears something snap behind her. And Hermione's just like, I thought I just saw. Never mind. So this is early uh, time turner references, which I'll explain as we go on. But basically, they go up the hill and they're watching down at Hagrid's hut and they see the executioner. Now, from their perspective, they think Buckbeat has died. But just wait. Well, you know, we'll talk about we'll get we'll get to that later. Just 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 relax. We'll get to that. <laughs> so basically, while they're uh, sitting there, all you know, worried because. They're all upset because they think Buckbeat died. Ron's holding Stabbers. All of a sudden, Stabbers bites him, and they chase Stabbers off towards the Whomping Willow, which, you know, they're, once Ron gets a hold of Stabbers, you know, Harry and Hermione try to warn Ron that he's standing in front of the Whomping Willow, and then Ron sees a the black dog from the beginning of the movie, you know, behind them. So the black dog lunges forward, uh, captures Ron by the light and drags him underneath this hole that's in the Whomping Willow. And there's a whole thing where the Harry and Hermione try to go after him, but they're kind of impeded or they're stopped in their progress by the Whomping Willow. So they end up getting stuck in the same hole. And they, uh, once they get into the secret area, uh, Hermione's like, where do you think this leads? And Harry's like, I have a hunch. Let's just hope I'm wrong. So they end up getting led to the shrieking shack and where they find uh, they find Ron in a room and they're like, Ron, are you all right? And Ron's like, no, it's a trap. He's an animagi. And then they turn around to find Sirius Black standing there behind the door. And there's a, there's a exchange between Sirius Black and Harry. I kind of forget. It's something about killing Harry and Harry then learns to go, he attack basically Harry attacks Sirius, but grabs him by the throat and tries to choke him out. And uh, Professor Lupin actually steps in to like kind of kind of stands off with, with Sirius. And I really wish I wrote down this quote, but I forget what Lupin says. But Sirius's response is Sirius's response is I did my waiting twelve years of it. And Azkaban! <laughs> so, like, I gotta do better at taking notes because literally in my notes I have, I did my waiting, and then Lup- Lupin, crazy serious character art. Now, when I say ter- uh, crazy serious character art, it's because obviously when we first actually meet Sirius Black, he's just this, like, insane prison escapee, but then he turns into a completely different character in a matter of, like, two scenes. So there's, um, and then also Professor Snape shows up to try to take, uh, try to take Sirius in, and it actually turns out Sirius and Lupin are buddies, and we find out that they were uh, they were actually best friends of Harry's dad, James. So then obviously Snape comes in to threaten both of them and threatens to take uh, Sirius in, and. Harry pulls out his wand and casts uh, Expelliarmus on Snape, which drives him flying back into a bed. And then, you know, obviously Ron and Hermione are shocked because Hermione's like, you're just a tech teacher. Uh, Harry obviously is, you know, trying to figure out answers. And he finds out that it wasn't really Lupin or Sirius that actually was were responsible for killing his parents. It was actually uh, Peter Pettigrew and Sirius is like, yeah, he's in this room. He's right there. Points to Ron, and Ron's like, me? And Sirius is like, no, you're rat. And basically tells him that Peter Pettigrew turned himself into a rat, which they quickly find out was Stabbers, you know, Stabbers runs around 
then obviously transforms into Peter Pettigrew, which now everybody knows the truth. And this is where we see the character difference in Sirius. He turns from this insane prison escapee to actually like a very important, like kind of sophisticated, you know, father figure. So now here he's not pissed at Sirius. He doesn't think Sirius killed his parents. And he's now like, hey, you know, you're actually a friend. Like, you're actually, you know, I actually like you now. And there's actually a, there's a touching moment with uh, Harry and, there's actually a touching moment with Harry and Sirius. Whereas, you know, where Sirius tells, you know, tells Harry, like, you know, he asks Harry if he would want to live with him because I'm sure he's because he's sure he's sick of the Dursleys. <laughs> and also, like, as they're having this touching moment, uh, Lupin notices that there's a full moon and he starts his transformation into a werewolf. Which, you know, he does, or once Lupin turns into a werewolf, he tries to attack Harry and the Dane, but then Sirius turns back into his dog form and kind of, you know, fends off uh, Lupin, but not before injuring him, and Harry goes after Sirius to try to help him out, and all of a sudden Lupin is distracted by the sound of another werewolf, and Harry sees Sirius kind of go off, and he's injured, so Harry goes after him, he sees a, uh, he finds Sirius at the side of this uh, lake, and then you see the lake freeze up as you see Dementors coming in, and this whole group of Dementors just attack Sirius and Harry, and Harry tries to fend them off with the Patronus, but it's just not that strong to make all of them go away. And as Harry's fainting, he sees a deer on the other side of the lake, and all of a sudden this deer just, just expands this fourth field of Patronus and drives all the the uh, drives all the Dementors away. And when he comes to he tells Harry or he tells Ron and Hermione what happened. He, they all wake up in the infirmary and Ron's obviously there with a cast on his leg, his leg wrapped up because he got bit by Sirius in the dog form, which Sirius apologized for because he said he was going for uh, Peter Pettigrew. Oh God, excuse me. And so he tells Ron and Hermione that he thinks the person who saved him was his dad. And then Dumbledore comes in and tell, reveals to them that Sirius is locked up in the tower and he's scheduled to have Dementors come and suck the life out of him, basically. So then, <laughs> as they're talking, uh, Dumbledore turns to Hermione and Hagrid's like, or not Hagrid, Dumbledore's like, you know the rules. Like, you can't be seen, blah, blah, blah. Three turns to do it. And Harry's just like, what's, what's going on? So Harry, or Hermione, uh, takes off her time turn and wraps it around Harry and does the three turns thing. And this is where we start to see, you know, all the stuff that happened as a result of a time turn. And I want to say the thing with the time turner, it's basically how Hermione has been getting to her classes on time. Cause she's able to go back in time. So she turns the thing three times and she goes back, her and Harry go back in time to try to figure out who to save. So first they come across the whole thing of, Buckby from earlier, you know, the scene where Hermione threatens Draco and punches him. They go back to that scene and then they sneak up. They're outside Hagrid's hut at the time. The three of them were inside and they, uh, they try to get, they try to figure out how to get their past selves out of Hagrid's hut. And Hermione sees, uh, the same rock that broke the, the vase from earlier and then she's like, oh, I get it. So she throws it and breaks the same vase and then takes another rock and throws it at the back of past Harry's head. So basically we find out that the reason that jar broke and the reason Harry got hit in the back of the head is because it was future Harry and Hermione, you know, messing with them. And so the past Harry, Hermione, and Ron get out of Hedra's hut while the present Hermione and Harry hide behind some trees and Hermione looks at her past self and is like, is that really what my hair looks like from the back? And they almost, they almost get caught by their past selves. So then the past selves go off and then the present Harry and Hermione sneak off to, uh, the whopping willow 
So, and then they, you know, they wait there because they know that their pastos are going to come out of there with serious uh, Peter Pettigrew, Lupin, and Snape. So they wait, they wait a good while. And Harry has this moment with Hermione where he tells her that he really thinks it's his dad who saved him, him and Sirius from the Dementors. So, and then they get to the part where, you know, Professor, the past Professor Lupin turns into the werewolf and they, you know, they see the whole thing go down from a different perspective. And we find out that the reason Professor Lupin was distracted by another werewolf sound is because it was actually just President Hermione is the one that made the werewolf sound. And so she distracts Lupin and Lupin runs towards them and they, <laughs> and Harry's just like, yeah, now he's coming for us. And Hermione's like, yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> so then they run off. They try to hide from Lupin. And they almost get attacked by Lupin, but Buckbeak actually comes by and, uh, Buckbeak comes by and, you know, fends off Lupin. Oh, by the way, they save Buckbeak. So the reason you didn't really see Buckbeak get his head chopped off earlier in the movie is because the, I guess the future slash present Harry and Hermione are the ones that free Buckbeak because Dumbledore before, uh, before Hermione did the time travel thing, he says like, if all goes well, more than one innocent life may be spared. So basically they go back and back in time and save Buckbeak from getting executed by, you know, by releasing him and, taking him off which then leads the executioner that fudge hired to be like well you know when they go to execute buckbeat they're like oh where do you go and that way they don't choose hagrid of freeing buckbeat because dumbledore's like well how could you have freed buckbeat you were with us the whole time so basically the all goes well buckbeat is now safe and sound he's not executed anymore well i suppose he was never executed in the first place but now we find out why. So Buckbeat saves him from Lupin, and then Harry notices everything freezing. So they go back down to the lake where Harry and Sirius were, were getting attacked by the Dementors. And Harry's just like, "Oh yeah, see, my dad will appear there. Like he'll be here any second." And he gets more worried. He's like, "You'll see him." And Hermione's like, "I don't think he's coming. Like you're both dying." So then Harry rushes down and. Cast Expecto Patronum, which causes this huge just dome of Patronus, throws all the Dementors away. So it's revealed that, you know, it wasn't actually Harry's dad who cast that Patronus. It was, you know, future Harry saving past uh, Harry and Sirius from the Dementors. So then, you know, Harry did, Harry's obviously all excited about this. He's like, it wasn't my dad who saved me from the Dementors. It was me. Like I didn't, I knew I could do it this time because well, I've already done it. Does that make any sense? So then, <laughs> Harry and uh, Hermione on Buckbeak go to the tower where Sirius is locked up, free him, and then take him back. And obviously, you know, Sirius thanks them both, and Sirius does this thing, you know, like pretty much everyone does in the series, where he talks to Harry and mentions that you know he's just like his father and he has his mother's eyes and all that, and so. Uh, uh, Sirius, he, uh, he obviously is a, he's a free man now. He's going to go off and do his own thing, but he takes, he takes off on Buckbeat. And then Harry and Hermione return to where they were in the infirmary before, you know, before the time thing happens, before the time thing goes off. And they get in, as they get to the, the door for the infirmary, Dumbledore is just leaving. And Harry's just like, we did it, Professor. We saved everyone. And then Dumbledore is like, Saved who? Like, denied. Like, he he knows what's happened. Like, he had literally, because he had literally just told past Harry and Hermione about, you know, going back in time. And then as he exits, he sees the, uh, the future, you know, the present Harry and Hermione after getting, just getting back from doing the, doing the time travel. So Dumbledore knew what was going on. <laughs> Obviously, you know, Ron sees the present Harry and Hermione come through the door as the past Harry and Hermione are leaving. And Ron's just like, how did you get there when you were right there? And Harry's like, you know, like, how do, two, how do people be in two places at once? So there's... And then we get to a part where 
uh, Professor Lupin, or Harry visits Professor Lupin after he's had a night. And Lupin's like, oh, I've had worse. And Lupin is actually, Lupin reveals to Harry that he resigned. And there's a touchy moment with them. And Professor Lupin tells Harry, like, may we meet again, which obviously they do, because Lupin is now a really important character in the movies now. There, uh, There's all that, and then as Harry gets back into the Great Hall, you know, this is Ron, or everybody crowded around Ron, and <laughs> Seamus comes up to Harry, and Harry's just like, or Seamus is like, can I have a go, Harry? After you, of course. And Harry's just all confused, and Ron's just like, I... Like, I tried to hide it, but it was already personally unwrapped. Turns out it's a new broom because his old broom got damaged during that Quidditch match when he got attacked by a Dementor. Like, it shattered into pieces. So he finds out he somehow got a present. He got a new Firebolt broomstick. And there was no tag where it was from. And Hermione was like, this came with it. And it's one of Butch Beats Feathers. So obviously, Sirius is the one that gave Harry this new broom and this, this ending, this is uh, the ending of the movie and it's kind of campy, but I still love it either way. So they go outside, Harry gets on his broom on his new broom and flies off. And then the last shot of the movie we see is him zooming around and just his face in motion. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's kind of a, still kind of a campy ending, but, uh, it's still, it's definitely better. Like, I mentioned in the other episodes, I had an uh, issue with how kid-friendly I felt Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets was, but Prisoner of Azkaban is definitely is definitely more serious now. Like now we're now <laughs> ah, get it? It's more serious. Serious black. <laughs> uh, but no, <laughs> no, the movies are now getting a lot more serious. Sorry, enjoy some asthma of me. Stre- stretch my beard. Your visual people won't hear this, but audio will. But yeah, that's all of Prisoner uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, as told by somebody who has no clue what they're talking about. But uh, oh, one thing I do have in my notes here that I want to mention too: uh, during the ending credits, like part of the ending credits shows like it's overlaid over the Marauders map. It's supposed to look like the Marauders map, and. There's a secret in there. If you really pay attention as the credits are going, you'll see some footsteps and you see like a pair of footsteps facing one way and then another pair of foot, uh, another pair of feet kind of on each side of those, of those feet facing the other way, which is to make you believe that some students are either making out or getting it on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's my third Harry Potter movie. Like I said, Oh yeah, it's my third uh, my third Harry Potter movie. It's the third Harry Potter movie, and also my third favorite Harry Potter movie. And uh, that's you know that's all of Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, I guess just to recap how I feel about this, I love this one. There's, I mean, there's a reason it's my third favorite. Like the cinematography is outstanding. the The music is still really good. It's still John Williams. Uh, just everything about it, just. And just the jump in, jump in tone between Chamber of Secrets and Prisoner of Azkaban is just, I really enjoy. Uh, one more thing we should t- uh, talk about in this episode. I should really get some l- lighting in here for the visual part. You people listening won't have to worry about lighting, but video I do because it's kind of, eh. But let's go over some, like I did last time, like I've always done with these, let's go over some... Um, book to movie differences uh let's go over the important ones actually because i'm not going to go over all of these some of these are just kind of like all right whatever like stuff like how the book ended like with the new broom dot uh new broom dot new broom harry the new broom harry dot the firebolt uh he gets it at the end of the movie but in the book he gets it he gets the uh, the broom shortly after his first Quidditch match, and then McGonagall has it tested. Um, in the movie, there's only there's in the movie there's only one trip to Hotspeed, whereas in the book there are two. Um, in the book, Hermione doesn't throw rocks at the at the past Harry and Hermione. 
Uh, let's see. The uh, in the movie, Hermione punches Draco when they're on their way to Hagrid's hut, but in the book, she punches them when they're on their way back to the castle with Hagrid. And I guess that's all. That's all for the uh, notable ones. Like the rest of these are just like minute, very minute differences. Uh, film film editions, and I'm getting these from theleakycauldron.org. So. Uh, film editions. There was no, there was no choir in the book, but there was in the movie. And then the shortened heads that were at the the three broomsticks. That's where Harry found out that Sirius was his godfather. There were no shortened heads in the Dora, but there is in the movie. But uh, yeah, I guess that's all I got to say about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm actually starting to really enjoy doing this series. I will definitely try to be more energetic throughout. You'll definitely see more energy with these next few episodes, especially if you're watching this. But, yeah. Obviously, next week, I'm going to be covering Goblet of Fire, which, like I said before, is my second favorite Harry Potter movie. So, be prepared for a lot of energy in there, too. But, uh, yeah. That's going to be it for me on this episode of whatever. Uh, as always, there's all my social medias. Instagram, SuperTam64. Twitter, SuperCam64, TikTok, SuperCam64. And uh, as always, there's going to be a link in the description of this episode if you want to send me a voice message on any of the Harry Potter films or just anything in general that you want me to talk about. And yeah, that's going to be it for me. You know, Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. And I hope you have a lovely day. So take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye, have a great time.